Welcome to the long and short of the week ahead, a production of Horizon SLJ Capital that takes a look at the macroeconomic themes of the week ahead and has been recorded for professional investors. My name is Matt Jones, Head of Distribution for Horizon SLJ Capital, and I'm joined by Neil Staines, Senior Portfolio Manager. Welcome back, Neil. Good to have you here with us again. Thanks very much, Matt. Great to be here. So as we end October with, uh, with, with Halloween and look into the week ahead, a lot of action from central banks over the, over the coming week. So Neil, tell us, is it going to be trick or treat from the central banks as we look into the next week? Wonderful. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I mean, yeah, you're right. As we approach Halloween, you could say uh, that markets have been spooked by inflation, you know, amid or uh, against the extension of inflation concerns that were the dominant feature of October, really. Markets have started to challenge the reaction functions of the world's central banks. You know, last week we talked of conflict and divergence. But as far as inflation and central bank direction, I mean, it's important to note our view uh, that the, the magnitude of possible rate hikes between uh, central banks is very different. But uh, as far as inflation and central bank direction is concerned, the week ahead is more aligned uh, as DM central banks dominate our attention. First up is the RBA. Like most DM central banks, the previous meeting took place amid a calmer backdrop for inflation concerns and sensitivity of markets to the threat of dislodged long-term inflation expectations that have now forced central banks to act sooner and more aggressively. Uh, you know, for example, inflation break-evens were very well behaved throughout the summer in the US until the end of September before they've surged in October. Uh, that's a good example. You know, at the October RBA meeting, there was a clear message. Rates and the three-year yield curve control target both left unchanged at 0.1%, with the narrative highlighting the Delta outbreak has interrupted the recovery, that the economy was expected to bounce back uh, as restrictions ease, but that wage and price pressures uh, remain subdued. They even restated that the condition for rate rises will not be met before 2024, consistent with their three-year yield control curve target. Now, on the 19th, the minutes emphasised that the RBA has committed to highly supportive monetary conditions, uh, stressing that underlying inflation uh, was more moderate than other economies. Uh, and this week, uh, we saw the quarterly inflation uh, where the core measure just edged into the RBA's target band of 2 to 3% at just 2.1%, driven by potentially anomalous uh, housing costs, although wage inflation remains very subdued at just 1.7%. Now, amid this inflation print, the Aussie swap curve is now pricing somewhere around 100 basis points of rate hikes in 2022 and a further 100 in 2023, clearly in direct conflict with the RBA's uh, yield curve control messaging. If we reconcile that against the, the April 2024 bond, we've got a very big gap indeed. That's the, the target or the anchor for their yield curve control. Now, Tuesday will be a very complicated communication challenge for the RBA. Uh, do they push back against market pricing? reiterate a commitment to yield curve control target at uh, 0.1%, perhaps even outline a rationale or measures to keep the curve consistent with that. And if so, will the market believe them? We saw issues uh, with the, the market pushing back against the rhetoric of the ECB this week. If they don't, then there are significant implications for tightening of financial conditions through rates and through Aussie on the currency basis on an economy uh, that is still largely closed. 
On Thursday, the communication challenge for the Bank of England is no less intricate. Market pricing of Bank of England rate hikes has moderated somewhat from the aggressive front-end repricing following the hawkish comments from both Governor Bailey and Chief Economist Hugh Pill over recent weeks. Now, to some extent, that's due to more dovish commentary from members Tenreiro and Mann, highlighting the likelihood of dissent, at least uh, in the November-December meetings, and thus reducing the prospect of multiple hikes, uh, at the, either the November meeting or split between November and December, but also due to the potential implications for growth of tightening monetary conditions abruptly at such a nascent stage uh, in the economic recovery. Now, indeed, the ECB pointed out just this week that the negative implications on medium-term growth purely from inflation itself. This week's budget was positive uh, in terms of long-term rhetoric or potential for the UK economy, and it's mildly expansionary relative to previous forecasts, much of this due to OBR upward revisions. Announced previous tax hikes also paved the way for, for big spending, but it does little really to boost domestic demand in the short term, although it does offer some, some counter to the cost of living squeeze, particularly at the low end. Now, in my personal view, the Bank of England should wait until February when the situation on furlough, uh, potentially some areas of uh, supply chain disruption are perhaps clearer, uh, not to mention the COVID uncertainty over the winter. However, Bailey was clear to emphasise the primacy of the inflation target in the Bank of England mandate. And on current long-end inflation expectations pricing, the MPC may well get votes for the hike in November. I'd be surprised to see the 40 basis points that are priced into the curve already, but it's going to be a close call, a difficult decision, and fascinating viewing. Finally, we're back to the US for the October employment report and the all-important Fed meeting for November. Now, at the September FOMC, Powell was clear to state that the US was all but there in terms of attainment of substantial further progress. You know, in terms of unemployment, at least we've been there for a while in terms of inflation. Despite the disappointing September payroll data, it is clear that November is the intended announcement date for the tapering of asset purchases. If anything, the shift in inflation pressure or expectations that we've seen dominate October leaves US monetary policy even looser. You know, we've argued that relative to pre-crisis levels, US monetary policy is very accommodative and inflation just exacerbates this view. A strong employment report, uh, and there is some indication of improvement from the, the weekly claims data, and I'd wager that the Fed will have this indication prior to their meeting on Wednesday. This will only accentuate the Fed hawkishness more, in our opinion. Now, markets calmly expect $15 billion per month of tapering from the Fed. Uh, and a relatively modest rate hike expectations are priced in, certainly relative to the pre-COVID levels, while at the same time accelerating rate hike expectations elsewhere. We've seen Russia, uh, Australia, Brazil and Canada and even Poland uh, over recent days as prime examples of that. As we've seen with the ECB and the RBA and even perhaps uh, the Bank of England, it's likely that central banks are becoming happier with a greater degree of risk premium in the front end rate curves against such an uncertain inflation environment. But perhaps it's time for a further repricing of US rates on a healthier balance of inflation and growth. Uh, either way, the November FOMC will be a key focus uh, and likely a key watershed. Thank you, Neil. Some key points to be on the lookout for next week. In the meantime, as we look at the weekend, I think there's some big hitting fixtures. Cricket but also international rugby. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, absolutely, Matt. I think, uh, you know, it's possible that in the football this weekend, uh, it's an extension of the nightmare for either Spurs or Manchester United as they both face each other after disappointing losses last week. We've no Formula One as the drivers head to Mexico for next weekend. Uh, we do, however, have uh, the return of international rugby. So Wales versus New Zealand, Scotland versus Tonga will be fascinating clashes uh, with England having to wait until next weekend. But for me, it's really, again, uh, all about the World Cup T20. We have Australia versus England. should be a fascinating affair. Great battle ahead of this winter's ashes, albeit in a very different format. And we also have India-New Zealand in a must-win game for India after a loss to Pakistan. With the other big guns, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, South Africa, all in action uh, either side of the weekend. Uh, it really does uh, look like another fantastic weekend for the T20. And if that's not enough, uh, we have snippets from COP26, I'm sure, over the weekend. And of course, uh, Halloween. Thank you, Neil. I'll certainly be keeping an eye on the cricket this weekend. Well, thank you once again for joining us. And we look very much to catching up with you again next week. It's a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you for joining us for the long and short of the week ahead. Further insights are available on our website, horizonsljcapital.com forward slash insights. We look forward to you joining us again next week for more insights into macroeconomic events and the long and short of the week ahead.